Welcome back to episode 140 of the Draft FC podcast. Welcome back to the Draft FC podcast and podcast and website dedicated to all things official Draft FPL. My name is Mitch and I'm your host for uh, another game week preview going over waiver options, hidden gems and general Premier League chat ahead of game week five. Now, due to being away, there obviously wasn't a game week four preview last week. So apologies again. Um, And due to a bit more holiday uh, continuing next week, this episode is going to serve two purposes. So firstly, uh, I'm going to spend a bit of time going through all the late window transfers. And secondly, we'll be doing a game week five preview fully in the knowledge um, that some of the players I mentioned now will go and tweak a hamstring on international duty, but needs must. Uh, I'll have plenty of time to respond to DMs in the lead up to deadline and any obvious picks that emerge over the next few days, I will post on the socials too. I've already done a preliminary updated lineups for Game Week 5 and again, I'll sit and go through those uh, towards deadline too. I'm recording this episode on Thursday the 7th of September, so any team news, injury developments or press conference info are up to date as of then and very likely subject to change. Some of the players I'll be discussing in this episode include basically half the players in the Premier League. I think I've counted around 50 individual names to go through today. So uh, get yourself a drink or take the long way home if you're coming back from work and settle in for a long one. So let's start then with the new signings. I'm going to split this into two parts. The first will just be the main new signings that are coming from outside the Premier League and then I'll go through some of those into Premier League transfers as well. So this isn't a completely exhaustive list, I'm just going through some of the ones that may have crept up um, in your own minds or the ones that are very obviously going to be a consideration for draft. So I'll go through position by position starting with the keepers. The first one to talk about is Odysseus um, who's just signed for Forest, an incredibly experienced European goalkeeper. Justin from Benfica, where he played over 200 games for them, including over 30 Champions League appearances and has also got 33 international caps for Greece. Now, he's competing against Matt Turner, who some are saying will remain the number one. Not a chance for me. They might give him a sympathy start in game week five, but ultimately this is Odysseus's spot. There's no way he's moved from Benfica to Nottingham Forest without some assurances of game time. And if your goalkeeping situation is reliant on Matt Turner, then you may want to consider this. The second keeper to mention is uh, Tim Krull, who will be familiar to us. Uh, I don't think Krull has been brought in to be number one. I think Kaminsky is safe with the gloves for now. It's a smart move to add some experience on the bench and on the training pitch, plus a safe pair of hands should a switch up end up being required due to injuries or otherwise. To the defenders and uh, another signing for Forrest, which you'll find is going to be quite a key pattern in this episode, Andrew Omabamadeli, 21-year-old Irish international centre-back who's made 55 senior appearances for Norwich in the last few years. Wide reports on the fee, with some quoting as much as £20 million. The back three has looked shaky at times, and despite Forrest's sprawling squad, uh, this seems like a sensible move. And as it stands in my own mind uh, now, I'd be pencilling him in for a start straight away in game week five. Next is Clement Longley, who's joined Aston Villa. He's absolutely fine as a backup centre-back, but I don't see him as much more than that for now with uh, Torres, Carlos and Conza there. They just needed another body in after Ming's season-ending injury, so not really one to consider for draft. 
Then to Fulham, who brought in two fullbacks towards the end of the window. Timothy Castagna, who we're all familiar with, and uh, Balo Torre, who we don't really know much about at all. So Castagna is obviously versatile, mainly a right back. Balo Torre, mainly a left back. Robinson seems to be quite well liked there at left back. So uh, I think Balo Torre is going to be more of a backup option. Castagna, on the other hand, um, I feel could be pushing for a starting spot because I think they could upgrade there. Um, and again, similar to Omar Avadeli for Forest, I've got Castagna penciled in for a starting place for Fulham's next match in game five. Then uh, Newcastle brought in Livramento. He wasn't right near the end of the window, but but fairly late and I haven't spoke about him yet. We haven't seen a lot of Timo Livramento over the last 12 months, but we saw enough uh, before to know his talent. I think we'll see a decent amount of him moving forward as Trippier won't be able to play all of the games that Newcastle have this year. I still think Trippier will play the majority of league games, though how they end up juggling their difficult Champions League group will also be interesting to see because they'll probably want Trippier for those games. Um, but not one for draft at the moment. Obviously, we saw Target come in uh, to cover Burn moving into centre-back last weekend. Didn't work out fantastically well for them. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see how this pans out. Now, into midfield. This is where some of the interesting names are uh, and where a lot of the names are that have been uh, getting um, asked about on forums and in our Twitter, DMs and everywhere else. But I'm going to start with what I consider the main man from the transfer window, um, now, many of you will have hoovered him up already, but in our league, and I probably should have mentioned at the beginning, we had a complete transfer embargo on any new signings that came in after draft day. So for us, that included the likes of Ward Prowse. So he's currently still tucked away um, in our waiver pile. I know a few leagues have also got a similar setup as well. So again, Ward Prowse will be sat there. And I, you know, you can tell from some of the questions that are being asked um, that, that many other leagues there have a similar setup too. So um, I'll make this very short and sweet. Ward Prowse is the first choice name if all of these new signings are still sat in the waivers. He should be your waiver priority number one for any league in which he's free. I obviously highlighted him on the Game Week Preview pod a few weeks ago when he was first available and his numbers already speak for themselves. Just so many avenues for him to score points and one of the most consistent fantasy players uh, you could have had over many years now. So don't try and be too clever or overthink it. If he's there, grab him. I've been uh, fiddling around with my draft rankings for an updated list uh, during this international break and currently have Ward Prowse sat around 34th overall amongst the likes of Bowen and Sterling. Right, let's get into the real gravy of this episode. Some of the names now that everyone's talking about, Doku, uh, Ansu Fate, Kudus, Beto for Everton, they all sound good when they roll off your tongue, but who do you actually want to pick up this week. Now, I already mentioned him in the last pod, um, so I'm going to start by talking about Doku. Raw talent, okay figures in his career so far, but I wasn't expecting him to be thrown straight in, and then, of course, he was thrown straight in. To be honest, I think Pep just wanted to see what he's got in a relatively low-risk game in terms of what the likely final result was going to be and ultimately was. Um, He looked incredibly raw. He did lose possession quite a few times in the first half, but that ability to skin his man and cross um, was shown a couple of times too. I don't really see him displacing any of the regulars uh, just yet, but but what a wild card to chuck on if the game hasn't quite panned out and they're in need of a spark and someone to unlock a defence into the second half. He will be a very popular pickup, um, even more so given the fact he was handed the start. But the next two names I'm going to talk about would both be above him in my personal pecking order. 
So Ansu Mani Fati Vieira, otherwise known as Ansu Fati, a difficult player to judge as you may have to try and look beyond the folklore and the propaganda that comes with a guy that was dubbed the successor to Lionel Messi. No pressure there, lad. Um, but let's boil it down to this. He struggled to get, or he has been struggling to get, into the Barcelona starting lineup against the likes of Ferran Torres, Pedri, Gavi. Obviously, Lewandowski's got the number nine spot locked down. And he now finds himself on loan at the Amex playing for Brighton. Now, Fatty's name has obviously been around European football for a while now, and he's still only 20. Um, he's versatile, but has probably played the majority of his minutes off the left, which will, you know, could allow Matoma some rest time. Though I see him playing the majority of his minutes as uh, potentially their number 10. Welbeck and Jao Pedro have been sort of successfully shoehorned in there so far. Uh, and with Inquizo's injury and McAllister's departure, that would probably seem the most obvious spot for Fatty to get into this Brighton team. They've obviously got Europa League football to uh, contend with this season. Uh, and to be honest, they could easily smash that competition. Like many teams, we'll have to wait and see how the selection settle between the league and the cup games. Fatty would be a really exciting and fun player to own in draft. And, you know, I would totally listen to any opinions that put him um, above all of these other names. But for me, Fatty, as it stands, is out of form. He's got to settle in uh, a new league, still has to get to grips with the physicality of the Premier League. Um, whereas the next player I'm going to discuss looks very much ready-made. And that player is Mohamed Kudus, who signed for West Ham from Ajax. And he is my best of the rest pick after Ward Prowse. From everything I've seen of him, he just looks Premier League ready. And West Ham have used the rice money very, very well on paper. Where he slots into the team is interesting. If you had to put him in his best spot, he'd probably be competing with either um, Paqueta as a centre-attacking mid uh, or Bowen off the right, which seems unlikely given both of their reliability and quality. And the desire will probably be to try and fit all of these guys into the same eleven. So I see him uh, mainly lining up as a nine, which is where he's featured a lot recently. Uh, his finishing ability is more than adequate to line up there, and he also brings qualities of a false nine too. Excellent hold-up play, dribbling, distribution and pressing skills. Uh, he's had some trouble with injuries before, but this is a game week five waiver pickup. We're not talking about a round three draft pick. So really, who cares if he does go and uh, tweak a hammy in a few weeks time? 12 months from now, I think the 38 million that West Ham paid for him will feel like loose change and he'll be considered their far and away most valuable player. Ownership in 10 team leagues has already rocketed to 64%, which is quite staggering for a guy that's only been in the game for a few days. Um, so pick him up if you can, because he will not hang around for very long. So just to be totally clear from all of these uh, these main names that have been getting banded around, Kudus would be my first choice after Ward Prowse, that is, um, followed by Fatty. Uh, and then um, after that, it would be a striker option who I'm going to talk about in a minute. And then Doku would be after all of those guys. So rounding up some of the midfielders um, and another West Ham signing was Zaniolo. Now I started paying attention to him a couple of years ago when he was strongly linked to Spurs. He had some good depth to that West Ham midfield. I don't see him um, starting many Premier League games, but he's a great backup to use in the Europa League and domestic cup games plus injury cover um, for the other central midfielders should they need it. To Bournemouth now and uh, another familiar name and that's Sinistera. So... Um, I mean, none of the left-sided attackers have really shown much this season for Bournemouth. I'm not sold on Justin Clivert. 
Tavernier isn't going to get them to the next level. And then obviously Jaden Anthony was essentially traded to Leeds um, for Sinistera. So he's a player that haunted my draft team a few times last year. I really rate him um, and don't see how he doesn't play regularly for Bournemouth. Once Dango Uatara's back fit, they could have a really lively three-pronged attack with Solanke up top. Sinistera for me is a serious consideration for leagues with 15-16 teams as he won't hang about long if he goes and scores on his debut. Up to Liverpool and another sort of European all-star name who's been uh, getting banded around for a couple of years and that's Gravenberg. 21-year-old Dutch central midfielder came up through the Ajax ranks then moved to Bayern, made 24 appearances for them last year, but has found himself down the pecking order um, and is now at Anfield. He will play. He's he's a proper centre mid, uh, and the best compliment I can pay him is he reminds me a bit of Pogba and a bit of Spurs legend Moussa Dembele. He knocked a few goals in for Ajax, but only scored one in the 34 appearances for Bayern. Not one I'm keen on in draft just yet, and I think given the current makeup of that Liverpool squad, it's not totally clear to me how they're going to use him with Sabozlai and McAllister in there. Possibly McAllister ends up dropping deeper at times or maybe it just gives them a rotation option and the three may never play together at all. Um, he seems an odd player to land on considering they were chasing the likes of Caicedo and Lavia um, as he's definitely more progressive than those who are obviously out and out number sixes. But yeah, I'm interested to see how well he adapts. For United... Um, We've got Sofian Amrabat come from uh, Fiorentina. The hype surrounding this move tells you everything you need to know about just the sheer infestation of United fans on social media and the mainstream media alike. This move was being built up by fans as the sort of make or break for their season. This move really was at risk of being the most boring deadline day signing, but was just saved by uh, Holdings' move from Arsenal to Palace. If anyone in your group chat mentions the possibility of wavering him, Make sure you throw plenty of fuel on that fire and allow other managers to take him at all costs. Not a draft prospect for me in the slightest. Staying up north uh, and over to Burnley um, is Nadia Shimi. Um, could be completely the wrong way to pronounce it, but if you have a look how it's spelled, I'll let you make your own minds up. Uh, another one mind from the Belgian Pro League, left-sided attacking mid. 29 attacking returns from 34 appearances last season is very impressive. Eight goals and 21 assists. I've quite liked Foster and uh, Koliosho from what I've seen so far on that side. So maybe not one to consider right away. I think we'll have to make, I think he'll have to make his break from the bench before we see him getting any starting time. To Wolves, uh, they picked up uh, Jean Rickner Bellegarde, cracking name, £13 million signing from Strasbourg. Probably their main replacement for Nunes. Um, I think he'll come into centre mid, but again, not really a draft consideration for me. Big money signing at Forest, said that's going to be a recurring theme. Ibrahim Sangere, 140 appearances for PSV. Very much a holding mid and again, not a draft consideration. So £32 million is money not to be spent on the bench. So he will definitely play as well. Forest again, uh, Nicolas Dominguez, an experienced central midfielder from Bologna where he made over 100 appearances there. Again, not prolific in attack and not a draft consideration, but another one who I think could end up partnering Sangere in the middle there um, as Forrest search for a settled and consistent set of midfielders to anchor the team. Another one for Forrest, Divock Origi in the professional super sub is back. Awani is far and away their best striker and I think Wood would still remain the main uh, backup. So Origi is really just there for cover. 
And then the striker I mentioned who I would have slotted in just above Doku in the waiver ranks this week is Beto for Everton. They decided to upgrade Mope and I don't blame them. Um, Calvert-Lewin is rapidly becoming a bit of a sad joke now, but I think Beto is definitely a striker they can bet on to come in and score 10 plus goals this season. He's 25 now, so really should be in his prime. We've not seen any electric seasons today. He's just been um, in Serie A with Udinese, who have been sort of lower mid-table for a while. And the best tally he could muster for them in the league was 11 goals from 28 appearances. Now, his non-penalty expected goal involvements per 90 last year was 0.55. So just over a goal or assist, sort of one in two games which for context is a smidge better than the likes of Sabozle or Diaby were putting up in the Bundesliga last year. And his expected stats were largely representative of his final output, which tells me he's economical with his chances, an attribute which should please Everton fans. Everton have so far generated um, a combined team XG of around eight, but have scored just two. So a lot of potential there for Beto to work with. I've conservatively slotted him into my rankings amongst the likes of Jao Pedro, Visser and Welbeck, um, but I'm primed to set him higher when he starts scoring. So that's all of the um, sort of new to Premier League from outside and beyond. Now for all of the inter-Premier League moves, quite a few of these as well to go through. Holding already mentioned Arsenal to Palace. I mean, Anton Gay is the most stable and settled centre-back pairing in the Premier League currently, and so... I can't see holding as any more than cover there. Um, Reguillon from Spurs to United, just bizarre. If you ask Spurs fans how they felt about Reguillon, he'd have been the sort of player sitting next to Davinson Sanchez and Ndombele on their way to Turkey. So for him to get that move, just continues to pan out his CV. And given the way United are going with injuries and the fact that Johnny Evans can find his way onto the pitch, he'll definitely get a go at some point. Um, we all know how good he is in attacking positions, but defenders rely on clean sheets for their bread and butter points. And having Reguillon on the pitch does not help that cause. So yeah, not one for me. Back to Forrest, uh, who signed Tavares from Arsenal. Another move I quite like on paper, that left back, left wing back spot has been a bit of a weakness for them. And they've now got a nice versatile player who should be well suited to that spot. I think this could be one of the most underrated moves of the window. And I bet Tavares' name will definitely appear on a draft FC pod again before the season is over. And it's only a matter of time, I think, before he's given a go at that spot. Finally, one going in the opposite direction from Forrest to Spurs, it's Brennan Johnson. A big money move uh, to Spurs. I'd say a touch overpriced at sort of around 45 million. But that's the tax that you pay for a young homegrown player. He's featured in every league game for Forrest over the last two seasons and at just 22 um, already became a talisman figure for the fans. Still very raw, has a lot of improving to do in his build-up play and, and in his finishing, but he's a very versatile attacker that ticks a lot of other boxes. His value on draft day was a bit lower than I generally had him. He was going around the 100th pick according to our data. I've already seen lots of forum chat and questions about what this means for his minutes and generally his value. I think he will end up featuring in the majority of Spurs' remaining league games. And aside from Son, no other Spurs attacker has really nailed down the starting spot. Richarlison was already benched in the last game. Solomon has obvious deficiencies and still needs to do a lot before he's nailed on. Kuliseski hasn't really ever looked quite as ferocious as he was when he first arrived and before he picked up the injury. 
that rules him out for a few months. So, yeah, given Johnson's terrifying pace and, and his pressing ability and stamina to go the distance over long league campaigns, I can only see that his value has just gone up. A struggling Spurs side onto Conte last year scored almost double the number of goals that Forrest did. So whether it's 90 or 30 minutes off the bench, I expect Johnson to take advantage of the extra attacking impetus that Spurs are coming with this year. Alex Awobi moved from Everton to Fulham, a good rotation option for them, but um, I think his path to starts was clearer at Everton and not one I'm considering for now. Um, Nunes moved from Wolves to City, a good addition to them to support Rodri and Kovacic in central midfield um, and allow you know gives them a bit more drive in some of the tough games. Doesn't really affect his draft value either. Um, back to Forest again. I think this could be the final one. They don't hold me to that. And that's Callum Hudson-Odoi. Reported fee of just somewhere between five and eight million pounds, which is a steal when you consider they pocketed potentially 10 times that amount for Brennan Johnson. Um, into lend some competition to one of those starting spots up top. I think he'll have to stake a claim from the bench as Alanga has impressed enough so far for him to be given a chance. But yeah, I'm sure we'll get a look at him sooner rather than later. We then go on a bit of a tour of the Manchester City Academy now, um, starting with Cole Palmer, who had a huge money move to Chelsea for £45 million, um, which for uh, a guy with just 19 Premier League appearances is a show of confidence that really capped off silly season at Chelsea. Obviously, bags of potential, but by no means a starting spot when everyone's fit. The most likely spot is is an 8 in a 4-3-3 or the 10 in a 4-2-3-1. Still some kinks to work out, particularly with Enzo Fernandez's positioning. I'm not really convinced yet that Enzo is a number 10. If you consider Caicedo and Enzo are nailed on, it doesn't really leave a lot of room for others in that midfield. Palmer will attract some suitors in the waivers, but I'm more than happy to let somebody else take him. Next is James McAtee, um, loaned back from City. Um, having been on loan there already last season, I already discussed him in the preseason pod, uh, my preseason preview on Sheffield United. Uh, scored eight and assisted four last year. Um, I thought a move back to Sheffield United was looking unlikely due to some interest from clubs for a permanent move, but obviously um, nothing concrete materialised and he's now back to the Blades, which will delight their fans. The obvious player he'd probably replace currently is uh, Gustavo Heimer, but He's been one of their standout performers already whenever I've watched him play so far, so McAtee may have to earn his spot again, but I don't think it will take him very long. And then the last one of the uh, City Academy lads is Tommy Doyle, who's joined Wolves on a loan with a view to a permanent deal. Um, He was another one who I mentioned in the Sheffield United episode, one of their key players in uh, in last season's promotion push. Very much a holding midfielder though, and um, not a draft consideration. And finally, a forward who's been promoted to the point of actually being a consideration for draft. uh, And that's Archer, who signed for Sheffield United from Villa. He's played just 74 minutes for Sheffield United so far. And he's already their highest scoring FPL points scorer with 12 points after a very good goal and assist in their two-all draw with Everton. Say a starting striker for sure and one that should appeal to a fair few of you out there hanging on to other subpar forward options. Uh, the likes of Raul Jimenez, Calvert-Lewin, uh, Danny Ings, Morris, Anthony Martial, Cunha even, I would say are all very much droppable for Archer at the moment. So let's draw an imaginary line there. That's the roundup of the late signings. Um, any that I've missed out, 
probably just not a consideration in my mind or I've just fully overlooked them. So if there is anyone glaring who you wanted to hear about, then please do send me a message. Um, but yeah, let's get into what would be the normal very early game week five preview episode and we'll go through all the usual bits and pieces. So let's start with waiver watch. The main guys that were coming in last week had a game week four, Gusto, Foster, Gordon, Sade and Saar. Also of note, Reggion's ownership went up 20% in free agency. Again, simply reflective of the number of United fans that still played the world. The main players on the way out were Enquizio, Garnacho, Shaw, Emerson Royale and Mope, which all sounds very reasonable. In terms of fixtures, um, if you're just looking at the teams we want to target, Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United, I think they are very much targetable teams. Um, Fulham have uh, Luton at home. Forest have Burnley at home and Spurs have Sheffield United at home. So they're three fixtures to try and get as much of a piece of as you can and are very heavily going to influence uh, my player picks over the next five, ten minutes. So let's start with that Fulham defence. Your prime one-week defender punts come at you from Craven Cottage this week. Diop, Robinson, Ream and Tete are the usual suspects. We just have to be careful we don't grab one of those fullbacks when Castagna gets a game. For that reason, Tete is a risky pick for me. Now, I said at the beginning, I don't rate Robinson personally, but he seems to be in good favour, so I wouldn't be too scared to grab him. Ownership for all of these guys in a 10-team league ranges from around 20 to 30%, so there should be at least one available in your respective leagues. Now, Forest defence, as you can imagine from all of those additions I just mentioned, the Forest squad is absolutely stacked. And in fact, just as a little sort of uh, playful thought experiment, I was jotting down earlier um, sort of two opposing 11s that Forest could play. And I actually think their second team could very well be competitive in the Premier League. And that still leaves a number of bench options as well, which is crazy. Um, anyway, yeah, so their squad is absolutely stacked. Now, I'm assuming there will be some more exits to the leagues that are still in their respective transfer windows. But um, yeah, the back three was definitely an area that could be improved upon. Uh, I reckon Noma Bamadeli is the most likely new face we'll see introduced. Aurea would be the most obvious go-to selection here if he's available, but he's currently taken in more than half of 10-team leagues, which is quite staggering for a Forest defender. The rest are all hidden gem territory. Um, we might have a bit more clarity on who's likely to play uh, towards the middle of next week. And then the Spurs defence is going to be very difficult to uh, to get into unless you, you're already there. So Poro, Romero, Van de Ven and Udogi ownership very high. The lowest owned of those four is Van de Ven, but even his ownership is 85% and rising. Perisic was a player I gambled on last week, not for a defender, but to come in on the left wing spot. The logic turned out to be sound. Richarlison was dropped for Son to move into the middle. But ultimately, Solomon was given a go and he took his opportunity very well. So I'll be dropping Perisic ahead of game week five, um, almost certainly for one of those Fulham or Forest defenders. Elsewhere, Villa have Palace at home and uh, Torres and Concert have uh, reasonably low ownership, hovering around the 50% mark. So there could be guys available there for you to grab. In terms of big name defenders, obviously being a tumultuous start to the season for Gabriel at Arsenal, he was one of the big drops. He didn't make the top five for um, Wavered Out, but he was uh, his ownership went down 10%, which is quite a big chunk for a player that was very well drafted on draft day. So his ownership now stands at around 75%, which when you consider his pre-season um, expectations and the total that he put up last season um, is, is pretty low. 
I drafted him and still holding him in my draft league and I'm happy to carry on holding him for now because I think if he does end up um, getting back into that squad, he's a must-have. And uh, despite any um, arguments to the contrary, I still think that Arsenal are defensively much more sound when Gabriel is in there compared to one of the other guys. Now, with those uh, teams that I mentioned to uh, target a second ago, um, the, the defence is one thing, but obviously if you can get into some of the attack, then then even better still. Um, Fulham, uh, the one to highlight here is Andreas Pereira. His ownership is just around 59% in 10-team leagues, so he'll be available for a decent number, and I think he's worth a shout. And then in terms of forwards, uh, Archer I already mentioned, but he's definitely worth picking up for one of those guys that I said. And then the other one is Amdouni, who still continues to impress me when I see him. Um, with the old eye test and you know Forest at home to Burnley Burnley away to Forest you could target either of those fixtures if you uh, if you really wanted to uh, and I'll be relying on that logic for my most hidden gem pick in just a minute's time in terms of hidden gems these are players with generally less than 10% ownership the two main ones I'm going to highlight Joe Gomez for Liverpool uh, it sounds like Canate should be back fit after the international break so it will then be a toss up between Gomez and Matip but I think Gomez played better in the last game. His ownership is just 8%. Not many other opportunities for a Liverpool defender in hidden gem territory. So away to Wolves, not the worst fixture on paper. Um, and if you can afford for him not to start, could be worth a one-week or two-week punt. And then the second one is Alanga for Forrest. So, so I think he's done enough to come into the starting eleven. Just 5% ownership in 10-team leagues and a good fixture at home to Burnley for him to stake a claim to that spot long-term. So into the most hidden gem pick. So this is a guy with less than 10% ownership in 16-team leagues. Now, um, I was having a look through some of the more boring options, particularly in defence. Ryan Giles for Luton, I thought, looked quite good. And there's a chance of an attacking return there. Um, Ola Aina for Forrest, possibly, most likely, will continue to play at left wing back um, until Tavares is, is worked in. Given their fixture, that could be a very nice way in. Um, but the guy I'm going to go for is Koliosho, whose ownership is just 1% in 16-team leagues. Now, this guy, I think, is definitely worth a punt. He was one of Burnley's best players in their defeat to Spurs, and despite the scoreline, their attack still functioned well at times. Uh, and while I've obviously leaned towards Forrest over Burnley, Burnley away to Forrest is hardly a bad game either, and so they'll be going there looking for a result themselves. I'm always more tempted by an interesting attacking prospect for the most hidden gem pick but obviously some of those defenders uh, could be a bit more of a steady one so that's it for this episode uh, a reminder that the game week five waiver deadline is on friday morning um, 11 o'clock british summertime it's the first game we've got where the deadline uh, is is normal there's no friday night game it's just the saturday lunchtime kickoff between wolves and liverpool uh, and then I say just a standard weekend set of games, the late Saturday game, two games on Sunday, and then Monday night football is Forest against Burnley, which should be quite an interesting game. Now, I know many of you will already be um, signed up at draftfc.co.uk. For those who haven't already um, or haven't been sure or are just new to draft and not sure how committed you are yet, um, what you can do now is head over to draftfc.co.uk and sign up with a seven-day free trial um, so you can get a little taste of what we've got on offer there and if, and if you like it then your membership will obviously roll over but you've got um you've got to say seven days to then cancel it if uh, if you're not really there for it 
A quick reminder um, for those that haven't signed up before, um, what that gives you is access to the live game week tab. So during the game week, um, you'll be able to see how every team um, with a pitch view is stacking up and that will also include live bonus points and auto subs so you can see exactly how your head-to-head matchups are going. League analytics, which will give you a whole host of stats and graphs to be able to look at, including sort of um, month-by-month totals if you do a manager of the month, uh, how many points you're leaving on the bench, points by position, how your points are scored. Um, You'll also have access to the global rank, which pitches your league against all other comparatively side leagues in the world. So you can see just how good you as a group are. And uh, for interest, our main home league, uh, we're 11 team league. We're currently the second overall. But I think part of that, I'm going to give us a little excuse, obviously, is that we have that embargo on the new waivers and the new transfers. So, for example, James or Prowse has just been sitting in the waivers. Van der Ven's has been sitting in the waivers. Um, and guys like that so we may have been able to pull a bit closer to first but yeah if you want to re- you know have a little peek and see where you are you can sign up on that seven day free trial and see where your league and how competitive you are in relation to everybody else in the world you've then got the bread and butter which is the squad planner um, on there you get all of our roster percentage ownership stats which i obviously reference um, on these podcasts as well as the uh, the percentages for the moves and the ownership swings in the waivers and in the free agents you also get our expected points model on that same one as well which then feeds into our waiver suggestions menu if you click on that tab it will break that down for one week three week and looking five weeks ahead and some of the obvious moves you can make um, that according to our expected points model will see you with a net gain and then you also get based on the same model um, our optimal lineup function now if you're in a classic scoring league that will simply show you your optimum lineup and how many points we project you're going to score for those in head-to-head leagues it will also um, put you on a side-by-side view with your upcoming opponent you can see how many points you're likely to score versus your opponent's optimum lineup this weekend in a way to try and influence your waivers and see where any moves need to be made now the predicted lineups we are starting to publish on the front-facing view of the site Um, But for those who are signed up members, you'll also be able to see them on a bit more of an enhanced view that also includes um, their ownership stats, clean sheet percentage and a few other stats that are built in to those predicted lineups in in one view, which is very nice. The draft rankings are obviously still there. So you have all the access to the the draft day stats that we have. So all the average draft positions are there. You can see each player's individual draft map. Your own draft table will be there. Um, more importantly this is where I update the rankings as the season goes on so if you go to um, there's there's a column that's called draft FC rank so obviously if you sort by that you'll be able to see where I'm ranking everyone as it stands Uh, and then for those who were signed up from last year your league history is obviously there which lets you have a peek at your stats and things from from last season that will obviously continue to build as time goes on and be able to keep a nice record of how your years have gone by. So if you're a fan of the work we do and you don't want to sign up on the site, at least head to Twitter or x.com and give us a follow on there at draft underscore FC. Follow the pod on whichever platform you listen on so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Um, another kind thing you could do, which won't cost you anything, is to is to leave us a review. It just helps the pod get out there and uh, into a few more ears that it may not have been into otherwise. As I said at the beginning, I'm well aware that this podcast is very early um, for game week five so if there are any things that you want to chat to any specific questions or any other 
um, particular conundrums arise due to international break injuries or anything, the DMs are always open and I will be responsive to them next week. So for those that have generally enjoyed the pod for its um, conciseness, its brevity, um, I do apologise for this slightly longer one. Obviously, I don't dilly-dally on individual players too much. It's just been quantity with all the same quality. From uh, For the Game Week 6 preview, it'll be business as usual with probably a much uh, shorter podcast. I uh, hope you've stuck with it until the end. And until next time, stay shook. Sure.